Well, good morning, guys. It's great to be here with you today. Thanks for being here. Everyone have a good 4th of July weekend? <laughs> that, was, that was a semi-enthusiastic woo, so I'm, I'm all for it. It was fun having the... F- Anyone have a five-day weekend? <laughs> Those are the best. Uh, so really glad you guys are here with us. Thank you for being here even on a holiday weekend in the summertime. Uh, the faithful few here right now, but <laughs> we got a great morning <laughs> for you guys. Uh, so my name is Nick. If you don't know me, I'm a pastor here at Dwell Church. And in the summer months, we started out last June, uh, this, this last month, doing the life of Joseph, because these summer months, we're going through a few Old Testament Bible characters, really diving into who they were and how they served God, the lessons that we can learn from them. So we're going to be jumping ahead from Joseph over the, the Israelites' whole time of slavery. We're just skipping right over the whole slavery part. <laughs> we're jumping ahead to Joshua. All right, so if you don't, aren't familiar with Joshua, the book of Joshua tells us about a pivotal time in Israel's history. It's the story of God fulfilling his promise and giving them a land, a, a f- land that's flowing with milk and honey, this fruitful land where they can finally, after 400 years of slavery, find some rest. It's a place uh, where God is setting up for them a, a new dwelling, a, a place where they can really root themselves and establish their presence. But if you read through Joshua, you quickly find that that promise isn't just handed over to them on a silver platter. It's, it's not just given to them. They have to take some action, and they have to overcome a lot of struggles and fight a lot of battles. This is a very gory book of the Bible. Uh, if you aren't familiar with it, if you open it up, you will probably be a little surprised, a little shocked by that. Some people have a hard time reading it and, and really coming to terms with why this was a thing that God sent them forth into. And we have to understand that it was for a specific time in a specific culture, and the people that they were taking over the land from were very evil. We're talking like baby sacrifices, all kinds of horrible, evil things. But God had promised this land for them as something for them to look forward to, a place where they they could find rest. So they had to first, before they got to that land, cross over the Jordan, the Jordan River. The Jordan River was this vast river, and they were on the the west side, and they had to cross over to the east side where the Canaanites were. And it happened to be not only a a vast, wide river that was heavy flowing, but it was at the time of the harvest when the the river was at its fullest. So they faced the difficulty of the Jordan River. They faced the difficulty of fortified cities and people and armies that that far outnumbered and outresourced them. But they know their God is faithful and that his promises are good and true. So they choose trust and obedience in this process. They choose to pursue the promise. So for a few weeks here, with the exception of next week, next week we'll be having Guido with us. If you don't know who Guido is, he is uh, the local director of I think that's his title, of the I Empathize organization, which fights human trafficking through awareness and uh, teaching young kids how to avoid being manipulated into it. 
So he will be here speaking with us next week. He's got a great message. I know he's already been working on it. So I encourage you guys to be here for that as well. Uh, let people know about it. Uh, we're really excited for that. But then after that, we'll be continuing for a few more weeks in this series about Joshua, the book of Joshua, titled Pursuing the Promise. So today, as we get started, I have a quick assignment for you all. I want you to, if you have your notes in your pen or maybe your notes on your phone, uh, pull that out. And very simple task, not asking too much of you today. Just open them up, and I want you to take a minute here to, as we get started to write down two words that you would use to describe yourself. Okay? I'll give you a few seconds here. <laughs> or think it in your head. It's okay. If you, if you really want to, you know, just sit back and relax, you can think it in your head. Don't overthink it. You know, I won't put anyone on blast here. You don't have to have anything hyper-spiritual, like Gabe in the back thinking, like, humble child of God, which he absolutely is. Shout out to the Stowers today. We ran, they opened it up a little late, and they still got everything set up on time that the worship team didn't even know for rehearsal. So thank you, guys. But, yeah, give them a hand. <laughs> Everyone got your two words that describe yourself? I'm sure you've done this before in some way, some shape, some form. Maybe it was a few more words. Now, I want to ask you guys, has, did anyone in here uh, write down, I want you to raise your hand if you did, that you're strong? Okay, thought so. Anyone in here write down courageous? That's what I was expecting, right? You probably wrote down other things that are just kind of like humble and <laughs> a little bit you know, shy maybe about yourself, and, and that's normal. That's normal for people to not take on, like, I'm a strong person, uh, or I'm a courageous person. The reality is that not many people would think of those words to describe themselves, even if you're given, like, four or five words to describe yourself. It might be because of inward securities that we might have, or because courage is more often thought of something being uh, needed in just specific moments, or or instances or circumstances, not as much a defining characteristic. But as we look to Joshua today, we're going to find that he was a leader who was truly characterized by strength and courage. For him and for us today, strength and courage that really make a lasting impact, if we're talking about actually setting out to make a lasting impact as we pursue whatever promises God has for us, strength and courage that are rooted in the promises of God and specifically his promise of his presence are going to make all the difference. So to give you a brief history of Joshua's life, Joshua, he was born into slavery. As they were in slavery in Egypt, Joshua would have been born around that time. But he also witnessed God's supernatural miracles, the, the plagues that God sent to, set, to, to soften heart, uh, Pharaoh's heart and to let the Israelites go. And he also witnessed God parting the Red Sea, this miraculous event of God opening the waters and allowing the Israelites to pass through to the point where also he experienced the troops of e Egypt uh, coming on their tail, but God letting them go free before closing that Red Sea. Joshua was the commander, I guess you could say, that led the troops of Israel to victory over the Amalekites, a really strong force that they faced once they were in freedom. 
he alone was allowed to accompany Moses to the holy mountain where the tablets of the law were received. And it was Joshua who stood guard at the tent of meeting where Moses, he set up this tent of meeting when they were wandering in the desert for the tabernacle of God to rest, for Moses to go in and meet with God. He was the one who was there who would say, sorry, he's a little busy right now. He's meeting with God. He's, got a, he's getting some decrees for us. Uh, he was the guy. He was Moses' right-hand man. So Joshua, he also, if you have read through Numbers, you would know this, uh, had a brief career as a spy. It was like, you know, we have SEAL Team 6, I don't know, Hebrew Team 12, I guess, because there was one from each tribe. And Joshua was one of them. So Joshua, along with Caleb, just two guys were sent out, or of the 12 that were sent out to spy out the land of Canaan because God had given them this promise and they knew that the time was coming where they were going to take hold of the land. Joshua and Caleb were the only two when they saw how big and strong these guys were. They were giants, like literal giants, like, I don't know, eight feet, nine feet tall. Um, when they saw how big they were, they were the only ones that had faith and said, yeah, they might be big, but we have a big God. He's stronger. He's able to give us this victory. And because of that, he's blessed. Because of his faith, he's blessed. Meanwhile, all of Israel, because of their lack of faith, because of their doubt in God, because when they're wandering in the desert and despite the miracles that God shows them, manna coming from heaven, all kinds of things, they lacked the faith. And because of that, the first generation, the generation of Moses, was not able to enter in the promised land. So that's where we start to pick things up. Joshua, he was... God's chosen servant to bring Moses' work to completion and establish Israel in the promised land. He was a man of great faith, and that faith produced a strength and a courage in him. So today we're going to be picking things up in Joshua 1. So you can turn there. I'll have it on the screen as well. It's where this transition's taking place. Moses had died, and God is now revealing his plan to the, guide this new generation of Israelites into the land that he first promised to Abraham for the Israelites generations ago. So look with me in Joshua 1. We're going to begin in verse 1 and read through verse 9 today. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all the people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised to Moses. Your territory will be extended from the desert to, of Lebanon, or to Lebanon, and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea on the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. 
Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will, f- will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Would you guys join me in praying this morning as we continue on in our time together? God, we thank you so much for your promises over our lives. God, we thank you that we uh, have an inheritance in you. Just as the Israelites had an inheritance of this land, we have an inheritance of our salvation and God, may this morning we, we find more peace, more rest in you. But may we also uh, take it upon ourselves to pursue your promises, to pursue courage and strength as we look to you, as we invite you into our lives all the more, as we seek your presence at work in our lives. I pray this morning as uh, I preach this message that these words would be used by you to really change our hearts, to shape our hearts and change our minds, God, and make us more and more like you, Jesus. Teach us from the life of Joshua today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So within the first chapter here, there's very clearly one phrase that sticks out. Be strong and courageous. Here's a pretty good rule of thumb if you're, if you're reading your Bible, okay? You're going to want to remember this one. If, you, if something's repeated three times, you're probably going to want to pay attention to it. God might be trying to say something there to you. So three times this phrase is repeated, and then one more time later on in the chapter, it's a command to Joshua from God as he's being prepared to take action that's been 40 years in the making. After 40 years of wandering, you can imagine what they're probably feeling. All these Israelites, they're probably... They, they're probably very discouraged. So it's very appropriate that he says, don't be discouraged. Um, they're probably thinking, will our time ever come? It's probably just become so ingrained into who they are as a people. They probably forgot what it was like. Sure, they had their victories here and there to take over the land where they currently are, but they probably forgot what it was truly like to see the power of God at work. But God is with them. He hasn't forgotten them. So he tells Joshua as their leader, as he's getting ready to lead them on this new, into this new season of taking on the promise of God to be strong and courageous. So the definition of courageous is doing something that frightens you. It's action in the face of fear. Courage, it sees something that's wrong and takes action to make it right even amidst difficulties and fear that we might be feeling. So in this passage, we essentially see two main or primary promises of God here. The first one is that God is going to give the Israelites every place where they set their foot. Think about that. That's pretty amazing that like every place where they set their foot, God says this, it's true, he means it, which means that wherever they go, they cannot out-travel the territory that God will give to them, the blessing that God is giving to them. There is no limit to it except for how far they can go. So the second one is that God will be with them wherever, wherever that they go. 
In Deuteronomy 31, it's put this way, and it's later quoted in Hebrews 13. I will never leave you nor forsake you. It's a promise to Joshua that God's efforts on their behalf will always be at work in a very powerful way. God's presence is always going to be a constant for them. They don't have to worry that they can go somewhere and they'll be without God's presence and they'll be having to try and figure out things for themselves. Because God's presence, it knows no boundaries. God is omnipresent. He's an ever-present God. Wherever we are at all times, he's everywhere. What it's really about is our posture towards God. Are we aware of that presence? Are we seeking that presence in our lives? And we'll get into more, a little bit more of what that could look like for our lives. But God's presence knows no boundary. Joshua didn't have to wonder whether he could go somewhere that God couldn't go and where he could where uh, he, if he could go somewhere where he would be powerless to conquer the land because God was with him, because God was giving him every land where he stepped. So the basis for the commands to be strong and courageous is the promise that God will be with them and working on their behalf. In his commentary on uh, the book of Joshua, author Dale Davis, he puts it this way. It is because of the assurance that God is present with his people that he can exhort Joshua to be strong and bold. Joshua is not told to just grit his teeth and screw up his courage on his own. He is to be strong because Yahweh is with him. Not because Yahweh prefers a leader or leaders who are positive thinkers. So for us, we have to kind of fight and resist that, that temptation of our, our, our natural self to want to just do things in our own strength. A lot of times in our sin life, that's, that's how we come to approach our sin. It's like we want to just make things right, but really what we have to do is come before God and receive his grace and just know that God wants to forgive us, that God wants us to enter into his presence all the more. So he, God, he wants leaders who are going to depend on his presence, not just do it in their own strength. Andy Stanley, he says this, no one knows what is on the other side of a single act of courage. If we knew the outcome, it wouldn't take courage. So part of the fear is the unknown, right? A lot of us, we fear things in our lives because we don't know what the outcome of our actions will be. We might be looking at making a move somewhere or uh, pursuing some kind of relationship or friendship, and maybe you fear that because of the way you've been hurt in the past. Whatever it is that you're going through in your life, a lot of times fear is because of the unknown. But that's what courage is. It's stepping into the unknown and in the process, it's choosing to trust and believe as we seek God's presence, that as we seek really what his will, his assignment is for us in our lives in this season, whatever season you might be in, that God is leading and directing you somewhere. If he leads and directs you somewhere, he's not going to leave you and abandon you. He's going to be with you every step of the way, even if it gets bumpy. For them, uh, the Israelites, they, like I said, they first came to this Jordan. It was extremely full. They had seen, you know, in the past, they had seen the Red Sea parted. But it had been years since that, 40 years. They probably forgot a little bit of what that felt like. But God 
told them that he would make a way for them. So by faith, they carry the tabernacle and, and the, the, the priests step their foot onto the, the river and God stops the flow of the waters and they're able to go across the land. But it just didn't end there. There was still so many unknowns. This was a land, like I said, with really brutal people, big armies that were very terrifying and cities that were fortified like Jericho. So they couldn't have known the outcome, but they chose to trust God. So for us, no matter what we're going through, if we don't know the outcome, we can take hope in knowing that people have gone through this before. You've probably gone through it before. You've made a decision or something that you didn't know how it was going to pan out, but you felt like God was leading you into it. Continue to trust in that. Continue to choose that way. That's what courage can look like. So if we didn't know the outcome, it wouldn't take courage. Andy Stanley also said that a single expression or act of courage can be the transition point of something absolutely extraordinary. We see that throughout history, that individuals involved often have no idea what they're a part of. One example, you can look back in the civil rights movement, Rosa Parks, on December 1st, 1955, 42-year-old African-American woman decided not to give up her seat on the bus to a white man. And because of that, she became an international symbol for racial equality. At the moment, do you think she knew how that was going to turn out? Probably not. <laughs> she probably was pretty fearful, but decided to be courageous and take a stand. So you can go back through every part of history, really, and see how individuals or small groups of people making single acts of courage that become really a transition point for something extraordinary. Strength and courage come to life in us when we are rooted in the presence of God. When we recognize the power of God's presence in our lives, we no longer see the territory that lies ahead of us as something that we can't conquer. When we're in the presence of God, we're given a new perspective, a, a godly, heavenly perspective. We know that God sees the future. God has, holds in his hands all control. He created the universe. He created us. And we know that we can trust in him because of that. He is a God who is full of wisdom. He is the God of all wisdom. He knows the best route for the, the assignment that he has for our lives, his will on our lives. And for us, we see sometimes only what's in front of us, but God sees you know, many, many steps ahead of us. So it's choosing to trust him when we hear and lead and hear his directing of our lives. So we're able to walk in confidence that God is able to accomplish all things in and through us that he has led us into. Paul, he recognizes this in Ephesians 6.10 when he says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. When we're faithfully serving God, at some point we're likely going to find ourselves in a situation or situations where strength, our strength and ability just doesn't quite cut it. It isn't enough. It's in these moments and in these situations that we have to make the choice to not get discouraged and to rely on God to either grow us in the process of that or to work out a miracle where we can give him the praise. So 1 Peter 4.11, it says, Whoever serves, let him do it as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, 
in order that in everything God may be glorified through Christ Jesus. So it's all about giving God the honor. God wants to put us in these situations because he loves it when our, the things that we find ourselves in, when, we, when we're able to come out of it with a testimony about how, his goodness, about how, the amazing thing that he did, about how he grew us, how we uh, really went through it and, and, and we're doubting, but we're filled with faith because of it. God wants that because that's really contagious to be able to share that with people and people, their faith will be ignited because of your passion for God and, and that process and how that's grown. I love what uh, it, this Episcopalian bishop in the 1800s, Philip Brooks, he wrote this, don't ask for tasks equal to your powers. Ask for powers equal to your tasks. Don't let your abilities limit the mission of your life, in your life. Let the power of God's presence lead you into things that you can't accomplish on your own so that you can witness his miraculous power in the process. But really, sometimes, you know, you might hear all that and you might think, but what about us? We're not stepping out into this river that we need to get across this land that God's promised us. We're not facing these terrifying enemies in battle. So what are God's promises for our lives? What territory might he be leading us into? And what might it look like for us to be strong and courageous as we pursue those promises in our lives? Just like the Israelites, we have the greatest promise of all, that God will be with us. That's the foundation. That's the root. If we take a look back, if we kind of zoom back a little bit, um, then we see that God's promise for us, for all, all of creation, is that we may be lost in sin. Sinfulness may have entered into this world, but we have redemption in him. And that God is redeeming all things. He's renewing all things. Starting with us and our hearts and our lives and our sinfulness, that we can find salvation in him, that we can find freedom from our sin. And going to future, what we look ahead to, what we look to our future hope as Christians, that God will make all things new, that we have eternity to spend with him, and that he has not given up on creation, his creation that he so loves. That's a promise of God. That alone we can find so much hope in, and we can look ahead to. Maybe for you, it's also something very personal to your life. What are the things that God's promised you what are the things, the passions that he's put on your heart, the dreams that he's put on your heart for you to pursue and that he's spoken things to you? When he speaks to you, those are promises. When you know that God is speaking things to you, when he's showing and revealing to you the things that he wants you to walk into and step into, whether it's in your career or in the relationships that you have or the, any area of influence that you have, God wants you to boldly and courageously go forward you may fear the unknown. You may fear not knowing what's going to happen. Maybe your fears lie in uh, the way other people will view you. But ultimately, coming or back around to knowing and trusting and believing that if God speaks something to you, it's, it's his word. It's his promise to you. So, so it's all those things. But like I said, one of the greatest promises, how we find and discover all those other promises, is that God promises his presence, that he will be with us. When we put our faith in Jesus and live in relationship with him, with him, the Holy Spirit dwells in us. That's why Jesus said in John 16, 7, But very truly I tell you, 
It is for good, your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So we have a faith that should be alive, that should be active, that where the Spirit of God is dwelling in us, where the Spirit of God is convicting us of things as we go forward so that we make right choices, so that we step into his goodness, his ways, his righteousness, because that's what ultimately is best for our lives. He, his ways are best for our lives. We may not see it in the moment. We may doubt it because of our experiences or our hurts, but choosing righteousness, choosing his ways is, is what's best. The Holy Spirit leads and guides us into all truth so that we can walk in his truth and find and discover the joy of his promises, the rest in his promises. So for us, I think part of God's presence, like, like we see here in Joshua, is, is being in his word. How it's so crucial to meditate on God's truth, to really commit yourself to it day and night, that, the, to meditate on it. That meant they were, the, the word there actually, it, it really kind of means to, to mumble. They're kind of like regurgitating the word of God throughout the day, and it's on their heart, it's on their mind, but they're also kind of speaking it. It might be a little weird for you while you're at, if you're at work to like, <laughs> God said, <laughs> like, but, you know, you can still do it in your mind. You can take times when you're reading Scripture out loud, um, but really committing to your heart Scripture and, and getting in the Word of God so that you find His truth, so that through that, the Holy Spirit can speak to you. You can begin to find hope and, 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 and uh, trust in God all the more because of the way that He's speaking to you. And it starts in the Word of God. But God is with us. His Spirit dwells with us. And we also see in the book of Acts, obviously, that as, as, the, as the apostles, as they, they, the early church goes to pray, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. They're baptized with the Holy Spirit. And there's, a, there's the Holy Spirit we receive as Christians. Yes, we have the Spirit in us. We live out the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. Those should all be marks of our lives. But we can also see God's presence, God's Holy Spirit working in and through our lives in a very real and powerful way where we're being used by God in ways that we never thought before because he's strengthening us to do things that are beyond our abilities, where we have to rely on God, where we have to depend on God to make a way for us. So, like I said at the beginning, this story is about God fulfilling his promise of giving them a land, a place where after years of slavery and wandering, they could rest. So this story in the natural, finite sense does what Jesus does in the supernatural, infinite sense. Jesus, he rescues us from being slaves, from being slaves to sin, from wandering in this world without any direction or sense of purpose, to being filled with his strength so that we can find rest for all of eternity. Joshua is a beautiful picture of that. In the lives of the Israelites, they're, not, they're able to, to cast out that fear that that's a command to them to not be afraid, to not be discouraged. 
that even though they face all kinds of things, they can trust that God is going to make a way for them. I love First uh, John 4.18. It says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. So ultimately, what do we have to fear if in God's love and in the love of Christ, we know that we're forgiven? We know that we're made right, that God is restoring us and, and growing us into the people that he intended for us to be. He created us to be. He knows every single thing about us, all our flaws, every single thing, but he loves us with an unconditional love. And in that love, we don't have to fear our future because we know that no matter what happens on this earth, that our future is secure for all of eternity with him, that we have communion with him. So even taking that on daily, remembering that, that no matter what happens in my life, no matter what I face, no matter uh, what might lie ahead, the unknown that might lie ahead, even if I screw it up, <laughs> even if I step out in faith and end up looking kind of stupid, <laughs> it's okay. God's got plans. God's got an eternity for us. So thinking from a heavenly perspective, um, an eternity mindset of I'm just going to give it my best. I'm going to take this on. I'm going to step out. I'm going to be courageous. I'm going to act. I'm going to do something. It's not just this passive faith that we have. We have to actually act it out. We receive the gift of salvation by grace alone. It's not of our working, but it takes some action to, to respond to that grace, to respond in faith and to really see God begin to work in our lives. So maybe for us, it's stepping out and doing something we've never done before. It could be praying with someone, or the courageous act could be even asking someone to pray for you if you're struggling for something in a certain area. If you have a sin that you're struggling with and you've wanted to keep it a secret or hide it or press it down or suppress it, just push it down to the point where... You, no one really knows about it, but internally you're struggling and you're just feeling so guilty or feeling so in so much pain. Maybe the act of courage is coming and talking to someone about it. Maybe the act of courage is stepping out into something that you're not the best at, but that God wants to grow you in, that God wants to maybe give you opportunities in that you never thought were even possible. Maybe it's making a move somewhere. Please don't move out of L.A. We want to keep you all here. But maybe it's making a move somewhere. For a lot of you, it was that coming here. That's an act of courage. You don't know what's going to happen once you get here. This is the promised land of dreams. But a lot of times, <laughs> people, their dreams are shattered. But whatever it might be, you can know that you can be courageous because God is with you, because his presence is with you. And when his presence is with you, you can make an everlasting eternal impact. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come up here. I want to read one more scripture. Ephesians 6, 10 through 17. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, 
but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of the evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after having done everything to stand, stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet filled with the readiness that come from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up your shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So if you come to whatever it is God's asking you, and you say, well, I'm not equipped, I think we have a pretty good scripture here to combat that. God has equipped you with so much. We may face an enemy that has power, but God is more powerful. The devil will never have more power than God. God is the victorious God, and we know we have victory in him. Just as the Israelites faced the strong forces of the Canaanites and their their power God was able to overcome that in in spite of that. And God equips us to stand firm. That's what strength is sometimes. It's just standing firm even. Holding your ground. Another word for strong, when it says be strong and courageous, is stout. I like that word because I did play football for like a couple years. I had this one coach who he was probably like five feet basically, but he was this like, think like Kevin Hart build, because <laughs> he was like stout. He was, he was really low to the ground, strong, firm guy. And he would shout every practice. I played outside linebacker. It was a fun one, because you get to run after and tackle people. <laughs> but you get, he would shout every practice, you gotta be stout! <laughs> you gotta be stout! <laughs> over and over again, repeating it. Because the more repetition, the more it gets in you. So when you're in a game, you got to be stout. You're ready. You're ready to stand your ground. You're ready to be firm, strong, in place. And that was all good until one practice the second year. Later after he coached me when my pads were too big and I broke my collarbone and that was it. (laughs) But I was trying to be stout. (laughs) But the point is when you're stout, when you're strong, you can hold your ground. We can know that our footing is on the firm foundation of Christ and his righteousness and his power and his victory. And we have the shield of faith to guard us, to protect us. Our faith leads us into the truth so that when lies come our way, when when the enemy tries to bring things our way and shoot arrows of lies at us, we're able to guard ourselves, knowing that our faith is firm, that we have the truth of God to combat it. take on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, the word of God. We have all these things. We have this every spiritual blessing that we could ever need in God, in Christ. So this morning we're going to just sing one more song and whatever that fear is, maybe that's the place to start. Identify that fear in your life and ask God, what are you leading me into in this season? What, what are your promises for my life? What, what promises have I been doubting? What promises can I step into and, and ask God to give you courage and strength in the process of that? Like I said, maybe it's 
praying with someone here, talking with someone. I'll be in the back if you're looking for someone to pray with. Take a step out. Do something that you haven't done before.